0: Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency, family of podcasts. That's rock and roll Hall of Famer Patti Smith, best known, of course, as a punk rocker. But in this home movie, she's playing for the beat writer William Burroughs in the living room of his tiny house in East Lawrence. That's Lawrence, Kansas, River City, hashtag LFK. There were a lot of reasons the author of Naked Lunch, a book that Time magazine named as one of the best English-language novels between 1923 and 2005, moved to Lawrence. And one of them involved this. The podcast is Archiver. The episode, the beat, comes to Lawrence, me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. So this episode of Archiver is just as much about Lawrence as it is about Burroughs. Burroughs, according to his closest friends and confidants, changed Lawrence, and Lawrence, well, let Burroughs be Burroughs. But how and why Burroughs moved to Lawrence in 1981 is, of course, tied to how he lived his life up until then. He was born in St. Louis in 1914. His grandfather invented an adding machine which left the family in good financial shape, and Burroughs had few financial worries in his early life. That would change later, and he struggled with money when he moved to Lawrence. His mother claimed to be related to Robert E. Lee. He had an uncle who was a publicist for the Rockefellers. It's impossible, really, to boil down Burroughs' life to a few lines, but here's some of what you have to know. After Harvard, he moved to Europe, where he came out as gay. He did marry a Jewish woman to help her gain admission to the U.S. at a time when Nazis were rising to power. He would eventually find his way back to America, become addicted to drugs, and marry once again. His wife, Jane Vollmer, would move with him to Mexico City in 1950 after a drug charge in New Orleans. Burroughs skipped bail and fled south of the border. It was in Mexico that Burroughs, drunk and probably high, shot and killed Vollmer, also drunk and probably high, when he used a pistol to try to shoot a highball glass off her head. It didn't work. Guns, it turns out, would always play an outside role in Burroughs' life. He would live and write in Paris, London, and New York. In New York, he would rub elbows with, well, almost everybody—David Bowie, Andy Warhol, Frank Zappa— and, of course, other beat writers like Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. Already a drug addict, Burroughs would pick up a nickname in New York, the Pope of Dope. Here he is being interviewed on the CBC in 1977.
1: Talk for a moment about, uh, about being on the bottom, if you would, about uh, what happens to... Why, why do junkies never bathe? Now, this is uh, a serious question, not a... Mm. There's, a, there's a physiological I thing. I don't know. they get like cats. They can't stand water on their skin, for some reason or another. That's one of the symptoms yes, that, that you went through. one of the symptoms. They rarely die. What happens to your perception of reality? Well, it's always to be remembered that, uh, that uh, junk or any kind of uh, opiate is a painkiller, and therefore it will uh, lessen your perception of reality. What happens to your sexual appetite? Uh, practically non existent. Are you, William Burroughs, still a junkie? No. No, absolutely not. I haven't, uh, I haven't used um, the common Benedictine opiates for years.
0: Burroughs first saw Lawrence in 1976, when KU's English department brought him in for four days to teach. In 1981, he moved. It would have a profound effect on him and in some small but lasting ways change Lawrence. We'll talk about that in a minute, but first we need to set the stage. Many said there were three places to be in the 60s and 70s, Berkeley, Boston, and Lawrence. I asked archiver historian Virgil Dean, who lives in Lawrence, about the counterculture feel of the town at the time, a town already filled with characters. Certainly it had the reputation, I think rightly so,
2: as the place in Kansas, at least, that was most tuned in to what was going on with regard to the counterculture, Vietnam War protests, civil rights activities, and that kind of thing in the late 60s and 70s. So it had, and the university and the local counterculture attracted a lot of people from uh, all over the country who would travel through or stop in because they knew that there would be a receptive audience, so to speak, uh, in a local community that they could easily identify with.
0: So it's not surprising uh, that one of the leaders of the beat generation, William Burroughs, uh, ends up in Lawrence, Kansas. It seems uh, it, now, when you look back, maybe even ridiculous, but from if you look at it at the time period, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah, I think so. Been, and you're talking only a a decade or so removed from when he moves to Lawrence, removed from that high point of of activity of the counterculture. Uh, he gets there in 1981, and has already developed a network of friends, uh, apparently, in the community from the earlier period when he visited several times. And so for someone who was getting up in years, looking for a, a maybe a little quieter uh, place to uh, settle down, uh, more rural, he was interested in that, apparently, uh, and but still had those people around him that really um, would make over him to a certain extent, and give him a network of of associates that would make him comfortable.
0: But to understand the Burroughs years at Lawrence, you need to talk to the people closest to him.
3: You know, I was terribly starstruck the first time I met him, and very intimidated because he didn't suffer fools, and I was definitely a goofy kid. And um, we just got to know each other over time. Took a while, um, but you know, then got to be friends.
0: Phil Hying is an artist born in Kansas City, but with deep ties to Lawrence, who worked with Burroughs on some visual arts projects.
1: Uh, Well, my relationship with William S. Burroughs was, uh, in retrospect, the meaning of my life.
0: James Grauerholtz was Burroughs' constant companion starting around 1974. He managed his affairs, is now executor of his estate, and the one who convinced Burroughs to move to Lawrence.
1: A huge part of my motivation was William had become very famous, you know, quite apart from the get high with the fans. He was very famous. And I felt that it was distorting his life. And I felt that he was too young to be trapped in the persona. And I hoped that by coming to a town like Lawrence or to Lawrence, that I could extract him from a false existential condition that I could see he was headed into for the next period of his life.
0: Burroughs bought a little house in old East Lawrence where he and his cats would be visited by lots of famous folks. The actor Steve Buscemi, the poet Allen Ginsberg, the musician Tom Waits. But here's the thing. In Lawrence... Most people just didn't care. Here's Hying's take on that.
3: Well, the thing I remember most is he, the town seemed to fit him kind of like a glove and he was very comfortable and he would do things like walk to the grocery store and walk to the liquor store and have conversations with ladies by the cat food in Dillon's and it could just be a normal citizen of a town and get around. When he lived here, he got a driver's license and for a while before he realized that wasn't such a good idea. He would drive around in his funny little Datsun 210 and you'd see him driving downtown and parking carefully in front of Sunflower Surplus and going in to buy a knife. And uh, everyone was just like uh, very, that was Burroughs, but so what, he lives here so he was very comfortable and then he had his friends and his privacy and wasn't constantly being assaulted by people who wanted to get high with the pope of heroin so he could kind of manage that so it was a good place for him
1: he was too young to be trapped in the persona and i hoped that by coming to a town like lawrence or to lawrence of of course these friends that phil referred to people were impressed i mean this was the william burroughs but that wore off because they were regular old river city hippie poet you know philosophers of the bar stool. and smart and smart intellectuals all kinds funny and so it was new he was now he wasn't burroughs all the time he was i mean he was burroughs but he was just this guy, and there he is with Ginsburg and trunk by Look, they're stopping into the, the deli, you know. And, and Lawrence was like that.
0: When you talk Burroughs, you not only talk Zappa and Timothy Leary and Debbie Harry, but also Sig Sauer, Luger, and Glock. Few things excited Burroughs more in his Lawrence life than getting a new gun.
1: I mean, William, he liked to live a little dangerously, and we all... Tried to uh, keep it. So Uh, nobody got hurt. Yeah. He enjoyed... A certain edge to him. He enjoyed being naughty.
0: Lawrence isn't quite as naughty as it used to be, while pockets of the counterculture that drew Burroughs and many others to River City are still there. They're hard to find. The town has a much more suburban feel to it. Things I remember from my early Lawrence days, Rock Chalk Bar, Joe's Donuts, ditchweed have disappeared. But Burroughs lives on in some unexpected ways. Hundreds of people a year visit his house at 1927 Larnett Avenue, and the city is named a park, trail, and playground after him. William S. Burroughs died in Lawrence on August 2, 1997.
3: I think this idea that he was misanthropic or bitter is... uh, I can understand why people get that because his writing is so intense and and so critical in so many ways but he was a warm wonderful friend who had friends of all sorts including lots of women friends that he had really warm relationships with uh, affectionate respectful warm relationships with and so I I would say that's probably the biggest misconception and I think Lawrence made it a little easier for him to be that person, to be warmer.
0: That's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodapp in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Thanks to James Grauerholtz and Phil Hying for sharing their memories. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seeland is executive producer. We'll post plenty of photos of William Burroughs on our website, FountainCityFrequency.com. Hey, if you like the podcast, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. If you have the NPR One app, search for Archiver in Explore and click Subscribe. For my favorite Cantus historian Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver.